0: So here's a little shift for you about money. If you were raised in a household where you had excitement, let's imagine your parents telling you, like, hey, I'm gonna give you $3 for doing the dishes, but remember, every dollar has a job. Yeah. What will you do to put these dollars to work? I love that. That would be game changing for me as yeah, a kid because I would have got really creative and probably freaking started a business at five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Welcome to The Push Podcast, So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle.
1: And I'm Eddie. How you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Who are you talking to? I'm
1: I'm talking to the world.
0: (laughs) So this is a special episode. Uh, This is episode number 76. And we are recording this live for YouTube Obviously, when you watch it on YouTube, it's not going to be live, but it's not going to be live on the podcast (laughs) either. You're doing this all wrong. (laughs) This is how we do things, though. So we got a lot of feedback that people want to see us interact, see the process. So not much to really see. Uh, We're just talking. I have glasses on. We're at a desk in a room in in our office. We do have really cool bookshelves in the background, but that's about it.
1: Yeah. So let's get into it. You know... Every time we get on, we do a What in the World.
0: Okay. You have one. And
1: we have had a lot of, we watched some history the other day, right? And so we watched- We uh, took
0: a break from serial killers because Eddie thinks that I'm a deranged lunatic and I am a bit obsessed, but whatever. So we started watching history because, you know, Black History Month.
1: (laughs) So Black History Month. And so we watched the FBI and, and MLK. I'm pretty sure I butchered that. I think it's MLK and FBI or something like that. And I don't know how we got into Malcolm X and then we watched Malcolm X, the Spike Lee. From like the 90s. Right, right. Mm -hmm. So my what in the world is like these wives of these men, how in the world did they like even-
0: Raise four kids while they were gone. Yeah, like it
1: just seemed like they were gone all the time. Like it didn't seem like they were ever home. And so I I just, like I was looking at these women, I was like, what in the world? Like how did they even- like survive, survive it. How did they keep sanity? How did they keep their identity in it? Like they it, didn't. They did.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like back in the fifties and sixties, like that's just what women did.
1: But these were educated women. Like they, they weren't were just like.
0: I mean, Malcolm X's wife was a nurse, but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, you want to have six kids, then you got to stay home, especially if you have a husband that chooses a career that requires lots of traveling and speaking in you know different parts of the world, right. and so. I think that they decided on those roles and they stuck with them. And I'm sure it was hard. I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so I guess the the question is, is like when you have a relationship where one person in the relationship is like in a gigantic movement, like Mm -hmm. not just like, hey, my husband's a doctor. No, my husband is, um, someone died right now. I don't know what happened, but (laughs) that's why I fell down. Not like just any of these things are like, they are civil rights leaders mm-hmm. like they don't they don't go a 9 to 5 they're traveling across the world pretty much putting their life in danger
0: wait can i just say like that's what you got out of it is like the wives are homemakers so sad for them that sucks but what i got out of it is well that's my whole family <laughs> and my life is in jeopardy now cuz of some shit you want to do right
1: well i, I mean i think that that's a big part but i think like, there's a part where I think both of them obviously dealt with, you know, threats. Are you
0: talking about Martin Luther King and right. So X? Right. So, Martin
1: Luther King and Malcolm X, they both had death threats pretty much their entire time mm-hmm. being in civil rights. But Malcolm X had his house bombed. Right. Right? And so, they had to literally pick up and leave. Mm-hmm. And, like, he went to, like, civil rights work the next day. Like, right. Like, I don't know. Like, how does that even well, happen?
0: I think for the ladies listening, we can be thankful that we don't have to do that in 2021, but it's incredible. I definitely think they paved the way. And I think we're getting ready to record an episode on seasons and how like you grow out of things and mm-hmm. you develop into new habits and take on new roles and new ways of thinking. And so right. I think over the years, women said, mm, F this. I don't really want to stay home and raise six kids and I want to feel accomplished and I want to step into something that's powerful and meaningful, too. And so this is why, you know, we do different things,
1: yeah. And I think we see a different version of that. Like you see how active Michelle Obama is. And you know, obviously, you know, you, you know when your your husband's a president, that's a big deal, right, right? And so I don't think
0: you can choose to not really be active,
1: oh uh, well, yes, you can well, well yeah, we'll okay.
0: that's a whole nother political <laughs> conversation. but So that's your what in the world?
1: Partly, yeah. My what in the world was that. And you kind of like made it sound like I like I was saying, oh, poor the wives. No, I was like
0: I appreciate that you are because you have three daughters (laughs) and a wife that you should care about. So yeah, I just thought it was just I'm sure concern for us. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and I know that they probably, you know, changed their lives and and made certain, you know, accommodations so that they can be supportive to their husbands. But I just think it was a tall order. And the other thing I want to say while we're on this topic. Is when you watch these like civil rights and and documentaries, one of the things that you do see is you do see women play a major, major part in these movements, uh, whether it be the organization of or just standing in the front lines, just playing a major, major part in it. So I just it was just one of the things I just kind of captured from all of that
0: yeah I'll just say that shout out to the moms that are stay at home moms, like holding it down if you've got a husband that travels that's away from the house a lot. I just my hat goes off to you because i I'm not that girl, yeah, i just i I couldn't do it. Maybe I'm evil and not my heart's not big enough. but I just can't stay. I need human interaction like at an adult level, you know, and when your kids are young, it's really difficult to not lose yourself, especially when you're speaking toddler terms all day and changing diapers and all that stuff. So shout out to all the stay at home moms who find great joy in that. I really, really commend you for that. Yeah. So this episode is about what we learned this week and why we think you should know it, too. Okay. So uh, I'm just going to be real with you. I've talked about it a couple of times on my social media posts. I'm a little obsessed with Clubhouse right now. Okay. And everything I learned this week was from Clubhouse. (laughs) And so we're going to talk about that. But also, if you don't know what Clubhouse is, they're not paying me to do this. I just think it's kind of cool, could help you guys. Uh, those people that listen to the Push Podcast, they're pushers, they wanna learn, they wanna grow, they wanna develop. A lot of you that listen to the Push Podcast, you're in our Pusher Society. And if you don't know what the Pusher Society is, you can head over to JanelleCopeland.com or go to Cope with Eddie's Instagram bio to figure it out. But the Pusher Society is a group of people who are looking to have conversations in a community where you can feel up-leveled. Mm-hmm. We talk about things about life, business, just different perspectives. We talked about, you know, some racial stuff during the summer. We yeah. talked about life planning and goal setting towards the beginning of the year. And then we're going to do a quarterly check-in at the end of March, just to make sure that you feel good about the direction that your life is going. So if you don't have any accountability in your life, if you don't have friends, like you know, we have some good friends now, but right. we got to a point in our marriage where. We were raising kids and we were going to work and we had just outgrown a lot of our friends. And so we were trying to find friends in a community that we could have better conversations with. And so we wound up creating a community of our own. It's called the Pusher Society. So if you're interested, uh, head over and have conversations with us monthly monthly. But this is going to be kind of, I want to give you a taste of some of the things we talk about on the Pusher Society, which are pretty much the same topics we discuss on the podcast, but they would be in greater detail.
1: Yeah. And and it brings the element of discussion. It brings the element of us being able to interact and coach and learn. And and so I think that interaction can go a long way. And the conversations become very deep. They could become very rich. But one of the things I think that's really cool is you can listen to the Push podcast and you can say, oh, and I'm sure you're in your car talking back to us because many people tell us that that they talk back to the, you know, and just interact with us. Right. Uh, well, part of the Pusher Society, you can do that uh, in real life. That's right. In, in 2D. Right. Because everything is what? virtual. 2D?
0: Okay. Yes. <laughs> Go with it. So let's start with what I learned and then we'll just kind of tag team and you can tell me what you okay. learned. So number 1, um I was in a chat with Ty Lopez. I don't know if you guys know who Ty Lopez is. I'm going to be super real right now. I hated Ty Lopez like 5 years ago when I found out who he was, mostly because he was advertising in my YouTube feed and every commercial that came on was a Ty Lopez commercial with like yeah, a Ferrari stopped. in the yeah. back and I it was just not my thing, didn't need it, didn't need to hear it. Wasn't trying to hear anything from being a billionaire because I was working on being a millionaire, right? Right. And so um, baby steps. Anyways, I got on Clubhouse, which again, they're not paying me to talk about. But if you enjoy podcasts, which you do because you're here, if you enjoy listening to TED talks and just kind of learning, if you want to go for a run and just hear a conversation that inspires you to think differently, then Clubhouse is the app for you. I don't think that I would consider it a social media app because there's not a whole lot of like liking and commenting and interacting in that sense. You could definitely go on just to consume information and basically be in a room where high level conversations are happening,
1: right? Well, that's funny because when I looked at it, I was like, "This is like the definition of a social media app. Like, it is completely about connection and being networking social for and sure." Networking. I would think that the other platforms are more of uh, like a billboards for your personal life, you know, because you can interact, but it's very much like, you know, someone posts something, you see it two, two hours, two days later, mm-hmm. and you respond to it. Where in Clubhouse, it's like simultaneously, like you can be a part of the conversation. Yeah. Uh, well, let's
0: be real. If you're on Facebook, it's mostly I see rants and like, you know, just a lot of opinions on Facebook and right. just not a lot of stuff that I find value in unless you're in a private group. And like we have Cake Sense, we have great conversations about running a baking business. Right. But if you're on Instagram, it's more a visual platform. Right. so You get to see beautiful images. You get to see families together. It's more about what you see. And then, of course, there's the liking, the sharing, the commenting, that sort of thing. Clubhouse, to me, is you get on for two reasons. You're either going to consume or you're going to contribute. Right. And so when I say contribute... Uh, When you first sign up, which, by the way, it is invitation only. Mm -hmm. So you have to find an invitation from a friend because we've given out so many invitations (laughs) and I don't have any (laughs) more. But I promise you, if you go on Facebook or Instagram and say, hey, I'm looking for an invitation to get on Clubhouse. Does anyone have one? I promise you someone will give you an invitation. Someone will
1: reload. They'll reload us. Yeah.
0: So you get on Clubhouse and then the first thing you do is you select a bunch of preferences. Hey, what do you like? So I selected health, wellness, finances, stocks. I selected, you know, LGBTQ community stuff, you know, black movement stuff, like all of the things that I'm interested. I selected lots of entrepreneurship stuff. And then there's clubs that you can join. Like, a billionaire mindset club, Mm -hmm. right? How I made my first million dollars club, stuff like that. So I joined things that I think I could contribute to, but also I can learn and consume from.
1: Right, right.
0: And you do the same, right? I did
1: the same thing. I I found myself like choosing things like, oh, I wanna learn about like science and.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so that's the great thing about it. It's like a live Ted talk. So here's the thing, it's not recorded. You can't go back and listen. So you got a little bit of FOMO, right? But one of our girls, Shalise, which was the one that's been telling us to get on for over two months now, she's like, I started following all these finance groups, joined all these clubs. And then when they go on, I get a notification. I go on. I listen. She said, I didn't know anything about stocks. And within the last two weeks, I've made a $1,000 in the stock market. Uh Sister, that's winning, yeah, right? That's nice. So that's something you need to know <laughs> that we're working on right now is just, you know, stepping into these rooms and these conversations. And we're talking high level people. Right. That are hosting these these chats about whatever they want. And if you like the topic and it seems like an interesting conversation, you jump into the room. You have the option to raise your hand virtually because you can't see. I forgot if I said that or not. It's only audio. So the great thing is, is you don't have to get ready. I don't have to do my hair. I don't have to be camera ready. Right. Right. So I'm in this room called, you know, like the billionaire mindset club or something. And Ty Lopez back to my Ty Lopez. So he's in there and I'm like, I don't really know if I like this guy. It turns out he's very knowledgeable. He reads a ton of books. He's got This superpower for like, you know, quoting things that he's read, which Grant Cardone was making fun of him about. And so it was just a really cool room. So one of the things that I listened in on one of the chats was what rich people teach their kids. Mm. That's a good topic. Yeah. Especially if you're raising kids that are over 10 years old and you're debating things like, do I give them an allowance or is it their responsibility to just clean the shit up because they live here for free? Right, Right. Right. Or, you know, do we talk to them about money struggles or investments or how much do you share with kids about your finances? Mm-hmm. Right. And so one of the things that he said is he said rich people teach their kids that money isn't scary or evil.
1: And it was interesting when you hear that, because I think many people will hear it and say and they would agree mm-hmm. money is not like the root of all mm-hmm. evil, which it's an interesting thing because that has been something many people have spread out there even hear that it's a biblical kind of thing right. where money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. But I think what happens is when you get into this kind of poverty mindset and you are and you, survival mindset, it becomes an excuse or it becomes an argument to kind of buck the system, right? Or you, you've seen people who have conversation who hate capitalism, mm-hmm. right? And they say, you know, it's the root of all evil, right? but that's not necessarily true.
0: People that say money is the root of all evil, do you think they're usually broke?
1: Oh yeah, you don't hear re- <laughs> wealthy people don't say that money. Is a they move like away. money,
0: yeah. <laughs> And I think that they get a bad rap for that, right? Right. So here's one of the reasons why I want to talk about this. How did you grow up looking at money? Like, what was instilled in you about money when you were a kid?
1: Survival. It was all about having enough. It was about hearing words like or phrases like, "Oh, we have extra money," mm-hmm. right? Um. So those are kind of the things that I think. Kind of resonate with me. My mom didn't necessarily say money was all the the root of all evil, but it was definitely a more of a conversation around just survival. You know, we have enough money to make it. You got to work really hard for it. All those kind of things.
0: So mine was scarcity. Mm -hmm. Like there was never enough. Right. Mm -hmm. It was like you think money grows on trees. I don't have money for that. Like things Mm -hmm. like that. That would make you feel bad as a kid to ever ask for something or to talk about money because it wasn't something we really discussed. Yeah. So I thought that was a really great conversation. Like, you know, rich people are teaching their kids that, hey, we're going to talk about money in the first place. And money isn't scary or evil. Also, because traditionally they tend to have more, it comes from a place of abundance. Like money's out there. You just got to be willing to work for it. You got to be willing to (laughs) invest or willing to, you know, be creative. Like, I think that they teach you different ways to think about how to potentially generate money.
1: Yeah. And I think it's so, so important that people realize this. And I think when you think about that phrase, and if you're listening to this right now, think about it like this, like the iPhone, the, your, your favorite television, your, your favorite, everything that you probably enjoy for the most part in the external world is driven by the competition to generate revenues, mm-hmm. right? And because of that competition, because we're in the United States, and some of, some people may be listening to this that's not in the United States, but our economy is driven by competition, supply and demand. And I think that when you think about that and you think about, wow, if I want to have a really nice car, the fact that there is a competitive market that I can get a really nice car is because of money. Okay. Part of the thing, reason too is, And this is a double-edged sword, but the like our medical system. Mm -hmm. We have the finest medical, you know, scientists in the United States. And and we've had some many, many, many breakthroughs. And now there are also some things that I think that we do that I think because of money, it, it leads things to the wrong path, like more treatment than cure. But I do think that there's breakthroughs. And because of the fact that it's so competitive. Financially, we get the best doctors mm-hmm. from all over the world mm-hmm. that come to the United States.
0: So you're saying these are reasons why money's good? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I think <laughs> money's great. <laughs> I think money's great, and I do think that once you learn you know, what your beliefs are about money, you can start to shift them. Right. Because we've been broke for many years of our marriage in the beginning part of our marriage, and we made a ton of money, yet we had nothing to really show for it. Right. And it always felt like there wasn't enough, right? And then we had to read books, we had to listen to podcasts, we had to find different things that would inspire us to ask ourselves why we had the habits that we had with money. Because yeah. we did, like you said that your mom said, oh, we have extra money. That's exactly what we did. Yeah. We'd get a raise or a bonus and we'd be like, yes, we're taking the vacation because we deserve this.
1: It's like, it's like we've been suppressed for so long and right. now we get to go ahead and spend that money. And that's that's a mindset when you change your attitude and you change your mind about money. What you realize, what I realize is money is simply a tool. Right. It is a means. It is not the end. I think where the evil comes is when it's the e- when it's the end. When you're simply earning money simply because of the greed of having it. Mm. Not because of you can use it for a tool, not because you can use it to help, not because you can use it to give back. And we're seeing that now. Many of the, the richest people on our planet. Or their goal is to give it all away right. when, when they're done and mm-hmm. not to give it to their kids, but to give it to society, mm-hmm. which society's infrastructure in itself is what allowed them in a lot of cases to make their fortune.
0: Yeah. So here's a little shift for you about money. If you were raised in a household where you had excitement, let's imagine your parents telling you like, hey, I'm going to give you $3 for doing the dishes. But remember Every dollar has a job. Yeah, what will you do to put these dollars to work? I love that. That would be game changing for me as yeah. a kid because if I, I would have got really creative and probably freaking started a business at five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So um, and that's exactly it. You,
1: when somebody says you got to give these dollars a job, you're making them a means, not an end. You're giving. Right. you It's becoming a tool for your kids. And so I think and that doesn't make
0: you greedy people. No, like, to but teach I think your you, kids how to multiply it.
1: Right. Because the thing is, is that most of the things that people want in life come down to freedom, right? Right. And freedom to say, I wanna be able to do this, I wanna help this person, I wanna be able to do these things and not have to worry about being in a survival situation or, or being deprived of anything that are necessities in life. And I think that when you really look at money and you say, okay, how do we generate enough income or wealth in our life to do what we want for the people we love? That's the best thing about it, yeah, right? If, if, even if from a religious standpoint, if you didn't have money, you couldn't give to your church. Right. Right. And so money is is definitely something important. I love that.
0: Here's another thing that they talked about that I thought was really awesome. And that is like patience, postponing desires now. So like delayed gratification. Yeah. And so they talked about um, the fact that there was this Stanford marshmallow experiment mm. And basically, you know, you sit your kid down and you say, hey, here's the thing. They get all excited about this bowl of marshmallows or bowl of candy. You guys may have seen uh, one of the Kardashians did it with her little girl, Stormy, sat her in front of a bowl of candy. She got all excited and she said, I'll tell you what, you can have one right now or you can wait for mommy to go to the bathroom. And if I go to the bathroom and you wait patiently, then when I come back, you can have three.
1: Nice. And so
0: that's teaching your kids delayed gratification. Can you imagine what a game changer that or is? It's be- <laughs> or
1: it's training them to be.
0: Or it's training them to be like self-aware or and to, to exercise discipline, yeah. right? So ask yourself as a damn adult, like, what would you do? Do you choose the cookie right now? Do you choose the cookie, the three cookies this weekend on your cheat day? And, you know, I just think it's good to ask yourself, like, am I a person who exercises discipline or I'm a person who tells myself, oh, I just don't have any willpower. Eat the cookie. Right.
1: right. That's
0: important. And so a lot of those kind of tie back into and, money.
1: And so for adults, it comes down to, did you buy that really expensive car when you probably could have cut down your, your car payment mm-hmm. and you could have saved or you could have invested that money and made some money on that and drove a car that maybe is not the most appealing, but does the job for you long term. Right. Like, and those are big decisions that people have to make. But I think those are the little tests that you can do with yourself to say, hey, can I I handle this delayed gratification game?
0: Well, I'll tell you, I haven't been good at it when it comes to cars. My entire life, since I've become an adult that's earned my own money, I have always had a new car. Like I've leased a car. It's been important to me, at least because I know I want a new car. So why would I buy it? And then, you know, know that I'm not going to want it five or six or seven years from now. So I lease a car for three years, drive it, take it back, happily (laughs) leave with another one. right? Right. And so this is the only time in my life at 42 years old that at December 2020, I completely paid off my car and I don't have a car payment.
1: Yeah.
0: I can't tell you how badly I want to run out and buy a new car. <laughs> I
1: didn't know that. But,
0: yeah, but I'm, I made the decision to wait a minimum of 24 months mm-hmm. to have no car payment because I'm still going to take that money as though I have a car payment, transfer it over to a savings account, and then we can see what we can do to invest that.
1: Yeah, and you know- That's
0: delayed gratification, that ladies and gentlemen. And that I'm is. at 42 trying to work on that, right? <laughs> I,
1: I, I think that, in a, to me, that sounds like a really good just exercise in yeah. itself. A two-year
0: exercise, which again, patience, discipline, Mm -hmm. delayed gratification.
1: What do you think that... So one of the things we talk about in the Pusher societies is the four pillars of fitness, right? And so that's physical fitness, mental fitness, spiritual fitness, and emotional fitness. Okay. Which one do you think that probably taps into? Do you think it's more of like a mental game or emotional game? Because there's a part of you that's really excited to do it. And the reason why I ask that is because I think when you said that, I thought, wow, that's a really good exercise of willpower. That's Mm -hmm. a really good exercise of discipline. But I think discipline lines up differently for some people. Sometimes it's just a mental game for people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like emotional.
0: Uh, For me, it's mental. Yeah. Like, like I'm not super emotional. I mean, I don't know. Like, if my best friend pulled up in my dream car, I might be like, oh, I love it. But shoot, I want to go out and get it. And I got (laughs) to wait for two years. Right. I wouldn't be a hater. I would just be it probably would trigger some sort of emotion where I'd be like, yeah, I'm itchy now to get it, you know, especially because the thing is, when you have the money to get it, that's a whole nother like level.
1: Right. And the reality is we have the means that you can say, hey, yeah, let's go get a new car. Right. And it wouldn't be a big deal. We've, we've had a car payment or, you know, we can look at, okay, can we put some money aside and do cash mm-hmm. in the next couple of months? Like that would be something. But I think that that I is- I want to wait. And that's, what, want... that's the wealth difference, yeah. right? People with wealth don't just go buy new cars because they want to buy a new car. They do not they do it because of it's part of a plan. Or, and they also
0: don't rush into things. Right. So shout out to Dan. I don't know his last name, but he's my neighbor at the end of the cul-de-sac. He's 80 years old. Good old Dan. Yeah. He bought himself a brand new truck, right? Yeah. But here's the thing. He said, I waited. I knew I wanted a truck. I narrowed it down to see what kind. And then I waited to see, you know, was the dealership going to get a trade-in? Was some, he said this, not me. He said, was some old lady's husband going to die? And then I could buy, you know, his car. That was in tip-top shape. So he did that, waited eight months and got his dream car for $30,000 less than if he were to go drive it brand new off of the lot. Yeah. And that inspired me so much. I was like, you know what? That's what I think wealth is, is like yeah. having the patience to just exercise, like waiting and just knowing that the right deal is gonna come to you and you're doing it to save.
1: Yeah, and that's that what I love, so that. I love that. so amazing. And I love that because... That to me was an exercise of kind of emotional fitness Mm -hmm. because you think about some people are so impulsive, right? Our entire economy, for the most part, is built on impulse buying, Right. right? You get the emotional draw of a commercial or you see someone living a life or whatever the case may be, and you're emotionally driven. The grocery store capitalizes on that, right? They put all the emotional snacks at the front of the store. So you just pick that up just automatically. And so I, I just love that. That's a really great exercise. And, and I think for me too, that's a it's a mental fitness game, but I definitely think that it taps into that emotional fitness.
0: Love it. Okay, so since you brought up fitness, I'm gonna go on to the next thing. Uh, I learned uh, from Jim Quick, who is a master brain memory expert. Right. Um I had the honor of meeting Jim in person at a mastermind that I was in a few years back and he's a great guy, but he's all over YouTube, he's got a podcast, he has a brand new book that I'm reading called Limitless. Because as I get older, I will say that I'm like, "Oh, am I losing my memory? Like what's right. going on?" And Jim talks about, you know, doing brain exercises just like you would do physical exercises to exercise your muscle, your brain is the same. Yeah. And so I'm really intrigued by that, and I'm trying to schedule more time to exercise my brain. An example I can give you is, remember when the kids were little, we would sit on the floor for hours and play memory?
1: Yeah, yeah. With a cards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: haven't played that shit in 15 <laughs> years, right? So I don't know that I would be able to win at that right now, just because that's a part of my brain that I'm not really tapping into. I watch the kids, for those of you that don't know, our two younger kids, they're actresses. They- Memorize two and a half hours' worth of dialogue, yeah, and to it's me, incredible. like the thought of that makes me want to cry, not
1: only memorizing what they have to say, but like mannerisms, their actor and, mannerisms yeah. and knowing what the other actor is going to say so that they have the right responses It's just it's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing, so sure. I don't
0: want my brain to go to shit, and so I have to <laughs> start exercising it. So Jim Quick talks about chronotypes, which okay. I had never heard about chronotype, right? So I write it down. This is how I learn. I take notes. And then basically it comes down to um, there's four different types of animals that represent how people sleep and like when the best time is to do something in your schedule. Mm. Okay. So stay with me. So I'm with you. So the animals basically just think there's four different categories, four different chronotypes, right? So each person would take a test and then it would tell you, are you more like a dolphin, a lion, a bear, or a wolf? So I read that most people are bears. So here's how it works. A dolphin, they're light sleepers. What? (laughs) I'm a lion. You don't even know what it is. So dolphins are light sleepers who are often diagnosed with insomnia. That's not really you. Lions. Lions tend to wake up early uh, with lots of energy. By early evening, they're exhausted. Oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. You are a lion then. (laughs) Bears. Bears, internal clocks track the rise and the fall of the sun and they need a full eight hours of sleep at night. Mm. I need a full eight hours of sleep, but I can't tell you that I wake up when it's, you know, when the sun comes out. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. And then the last one, wolves. Wolves have a hard time waking up early and are most energetic in the evening. Um shout out to the wolves because that's me. <laughs> the best ideas come to me at night. Right. So this theory is this chronotype is basically saying that like it's impossible to have the perfect day, but you can like schedule your workouts. You can mm. schedule when you're supposed to be creating content. You can schedule the times where you're supposed to be creative. So if you're trying to write a book and you're like, "Okay, Mondays from 10 until noon, I'm going to sit down and write." But if you're a wolf, that might not work for you. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought that was crazy because I thought I was crazy. I was like, OK, everyone's gearing up to go to bed every night. But I, my brain's flowing and I have a tough time turning it off. Right. Jordan is exactly like me. <laughs> well, Jordan can stay up until 4 a.m. Part, partly
1: to say, is it nature or nurture? Because jo- Jordan has trained herself to, to stay up.
0: She likes it, though. Her yeah. brain is wide awake, just like mine.
1: Yeah. I mean, mine, Leave just, us alone. mine just sucked. Like, you would think that there were light switches being turned off. Yeah, like, you get super doof, sleepy. Doof, doof, doof. It's, it's crazy. Like...
0: If you guys want to ever see Eddie fall asleep at dinner, take him to the Cheesecake Factory <laughs> because it's super dim in there. I, it, I... And every single time we go, he's, like, nodding off. He's like, I hate this place. It's so dark in here. I he don't starts, ever like, complain. falling asleep.
1: But when we go there, for whatever reason, I go to my I think every to myself, time you complain. Why, why is it so dark? Are they trying? Is it is it a sensory thing where you can taste the food differently? It drives me crazy. They need to turn those lights up a little bit.
0: Isn't that um, cool? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, one, I'm gonna just go over really, really quick because I think I want to talk about it in the next episode, and this is something from Brendan Burchard, and it's 30 questions to ask your parents before it's too late. Wow. That's a whole episode in itself. Yeah. So yeah. I think I want to give you guys some homework. Um, If you just Google it, it's on this website called Beyond the Interview. And it's 30 questions to ask your parents before it's too late. So I think for the next week, that should be our assignment. Like you take the 30 questions, you ask your mom, mm-hmm. I'll ask my parents. The thing is, is you're supposed to either film it, record it, something so that way you can hear them explain it it, answer it their excitement like and so the theory is brendan's dad he passed not the theory that's what happened his dad passed away but he had asked him these questions while he was in the hospital i think Mm. battling cancer and at least three times a year he said he sits down and he watches the entire thing just so that way he can kind of feel like his dad's there i love that you it just, it gives me chills to think about like, it's one thing when someone leaves you, it's another thing when you've asked them all the questions that you needed to ask them before they left. Yeah. And you have it on record so you can watch it and rewatch it and see their emotions and their mannerisms. So I thought that was really cool. I
1: love that. I love Isn't that, that awesome? So is that, is all all the things you learned this week? I have one more. Oh, okay. Cause um, I got, I got a couple. I oh, make okay. Sure
0: I well can, you can go. Get,
1: get mine in. Oh, okay I, I can go right now?
0: Fine, go. <laughs> Last one, which is something we talk about often, but I found this to be the common theme in every group that I was in around entrepreneurship. Not only are people lacking confidence and they're afraid, but they want to avoid pain by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. And so in every group that I was in, every millionaire, billionaire, whatever speaker was on the stage speaking, They said the same thing. And basically that is you have to pursue things that have obstacles, period. Like they said, humans are lazy. uh, They hate taking risks and they don't want to get out of their comfort zone, right? They want to avoid disappointment. They want to avoid challenges and all of that stuff, right? And that's not going to get you far. Like if you're just so stuck behind all of this fear and all of that stuff, like you have to find a way to just lean into things that have obstacles because there's less people there.
1: So yeah. the chances
0: of you succeeding there are actually greater than you think because you're the only crazy fool that's willing to do it, right?
1: Yeah. And one of the things that kind of bleeds into to one of the things I learned this week was something similar to that. What I found, especially on Clubhouse, is that people ask questions mostly designed In a way where they're trying to get the magic bullet, okay. Right, and so they're trying to. They know that the answer that's out there that they probably already know involves a lot of hard work, right? Involves a lot of discomfort, and so they. I find that people ask questions to see: Is there a way to get around that? Right, right. And can I
0: tell you what the most asked question was to me? Like I spoke in many groups this week. Most asked question: How do I grow my social media following faster? Yeah. Faster compared to what? Yeah. What are you doing now? Well, I'm posting every day. I'm doing all the things, but it's a lot I'm not of work. At a million people yet, <laughs> but it's a lot of work, and it's not growing as fast as I wanted to grow. So, one, that's your expectations, right. probably because you're busy looking at everyone else's numbers and like you know, hoping for more, which I totally understand. And number two, though, when I ask them, "Well, tell me what you're doing right now to grow your following," they're always on the right track. They just don't like the way it feels. It's work. It's right. hard. It takes consistency. There's obstacles. Sometimes people don't like your stuff. Guess what? That's life. Sometimes right. people don't like your stuff. You know, right?
1: Yeah, and that anytime people say more, better, faster, like it, that, it's a comparison term where you're comparing it to something. So mm-hmm. there's something out there that you think the you know, there's it's happening faster for someone else than it is for you, and that comes back to the whole comparison thing, but. You hear that for everything. Like when people want to lose weight, how come I don't lose weight fast enough? Right. Well
0: I mean, I said that last week though, because I was like, <laughs> Let me get this straight. But,
1: but then also that was that was compared to a, a younger version of yourself. Right. Right. And so you make those comparisons, which really leads into what we talked about last last week when it comes to like Hey, I'm 40 now. Mm-hmm. I think I know what I need to do, but, you know, i never done this at 40. Right. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's going to be a whole different ballgame. And the timetable is undetermined because I don't know how long it's supposed to take.
0: Right. Well, i just tell you, when you hit 40, things happen. They come off differently.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. They
0: happen at a different pace.
1: So one of the things I learned that was very interesting, you know, because I've been reading uh, a book from Martin Luther King, which I think is fantastic. And I shared with you and I shared on the on the podcast one of the things I learned about equality. Mm-hmm. But what I found in just conversations with different people is that we often have a different definition for something that we want everybody wants the same of. Mm-hmm. Right. And so people want to be understood, but there's a different level of common ground or understanding. People want wealth, but there's a definition difference from being wealth. Some people see wealth as hey, I need to make sure that I have constant income coming Mm -hmm. in. I need to be a billionaire, right? right? Some people see wealth like, hey, if I can make six figures, that feels like wealth to me, right? Right. But when you're connecting with people and you're trying to build something with someone or you're collaborating, you have to have a shared definition for things that you're working on, Uh, whether it be completion, what what done looks like, all those different things. I thought that was really interesting from that standpoint of learning that. But also, uh, I'm reading this book called Clarity, okay, right? And then this book is basically talking about how to get clear and how to find clarity. And one of the things he's talking about is he's talking about our interpretations of the world. And he said something I thought was really interesting. He said that we are actors within our own interpretations. okay, right? And so we literally are playing a part in the interpretations that we see the world. And I just thought that was interesting because you think about all the things that you're into, you think about all the, you know, maybe, maybe the conversations on Clubhouse and all these things, and you're playing this part, this perception that you have of yourself, and you show up in that way, but it may not be your authentic self. Mm. It may be just a version that you're trying to make sure people still see, even though maybe your mind's changing, you know, your heart's changing, something's changing about you but you still have to play this role.
0: So it feels unauthentic.
1: Right. And authenticity is so important because, and it goes to the next thing I learned, but go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say kind of two things come up for me with that. Number one, Clubhouse is about like you raise your hand and they say, hey, Eddie, come on up, ask your question, tell us a little bit about you. People have a really tough time, like quickly telling, you know, people about them. So, you know, you could say, Hey, you know, my name is Janelle. I have a a podcast. I am the owner of the Cake Mama's Bakery that I recently, you know, retired from. I teach entrepreneurs from all over how to turn their passions into a profitable business. Like, at what point is it too much? Right. How much resume do I give you? Because I do a lot of shit, right? I'm a mother of three. I enjoy fitness, but I love me some cookies. Like, what? How much do you want to know? So that's the first thing that comes up.
1: But uh, the second
0: thing that comes up is, we were talking in the previous episode about my friend Joni, who, Joni Davis, um, she's on Instagram, Sporty Style 247 And she's been in fitness for 25 years. And she's like, I'm telling you right now, I don't really wanna talk about fitness anymore. Mm. Like she's going through this shift. Her son's getting older, she's older now. And she doesn't wanna talk about glutes anymore. She wants to talk about the fact that women want to lose weight, but they're not willing to do the mental work that comes Mm -hmm. with the weight loss work. Right. And so I'm trying to encourage her right now. Like you get to change your passion gets to change. You get to change your message. You get to bring people along the journey with you. Right. Which is very much. uh, Well, that's why she reached out to me because I did that with the cake mamas. You know, you know me as the cake mama, I don't really want to talk cake all the time. Right. I want to talk about your mind and teaching your kids how to you live in an abundance mindset around money and teaching about discipline. And I want to help people push not just in their baking business, but to a greater version of themselves because that's what I find makes me feel really good and fulfilled. Right. So, what's your take on that? Like, yeah, it, well, what's your bio first? My- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the stage, you guys, Eddie Copeland. Well, no, Eddie, but, tell me about but that's, yourself. Well,
1: but that's the thing. Like, Wait,
0: what's your bio? No,
1: but hold on. <laughs> what, what, what I was going to say was people show up to Clubhouse, which Clubhouse has some really amazing parts of, and I think you can learn a lot. And then there's a, this part of it's like people are trying to like really force the issue and be a person that is has credibility and as an, an expert, expert in that space. But you can tell when someone gets into a conversation that they don't belong in. Mm-hmm. But because of their interpretation of who they think they are, Mm -hmm. they don't humble themselves Mm -hmm. and ask the question. They're constantly just trying to be the person that's an expert. Like you were in a conversation the other night where I definitely thought that someone was giving advice, but they weren't at a level where they should be giving advice.
0: Right. right? So I have a meme that I want to create, like the 10 terrible pieces of advice that I heard on Clubhouse this week. (laughs) And, and how they're wrong. But that's yeah. mean.
1: Yeah. And I think that when people don't have the malice to, to you know, they're not being malicious but mm-hmm. giving bad advice, but people are stepping into things that they should be curious about first right. before they really start speaking and adding to the conversation. So that's just one of the things I just took from it. But also, I think that what was super important is for those that are listening to that and they're going, what the hell is that he's talking about? What do you mean when you say to someone that, hey, you're, playing, you're an actor in your own interpretation? And what I'm saying is, is that. Like you're able to change your life when you change your interpretation of how you see yourself. Okay. And that means you change your interpretation of how you see the world. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it was really amazing because when people are trying to get clarity, what's really stopping them from getting clarity is they're so distracted by the things they think they need to upkeep
0: mm.
1: and they need to relieve themselves with partly how they see the world. Okay. Right. And so they see this world as a busy place. So that's that's that was one thing. And we can get into that another another day. But then one thing I was that's
0: a deeper conversation. I know, it's a deeper
1: conversation. But you asked me what I learned. That's what I learned. I
0: love it, but (laughs) I mean, do we talk about it? Do we move past it?
1: Well, I want to talk about this other thing because I think that you may get something out of this one.
0: Okay. I get something out of everything that you say, honey, because I adore you and I think you're really smart.
1: Well, one of the things I learned I love you too. I think you're very smart (laughs) as well. but
0: Um, before you do it, I'm sorry, can you just tell me your bio? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the clubhouse stage, Edward Copeland. Hello,
1: I am the co-host of the Push Podcast. Uh, My name is Eddie Copeland, the best podcast on the planet. I'm also a coach, teacher, leadership expert. I've been in the the retail and corporate world for the last 20 years, leading teams to do amazing things.
0: Okay, thank you.
1: All right, perfect. All right, um, back to our regular regular (laughs) schedule program. It is crazy. I heard this term. Someone said... That you can't. Okay, one of this is very interesting. I want to make sure I get this right. (laughs) You looking at me? It's making me. Okay,
0: I'm not gonna look at you.
1: (laughs) It said that if you're looking to grow, to change, to do anything, the problem we have in a society where it stops people, we have an intolerance for boredom.
0: Mm, Amen. A thousand. No, no. Think
1: about that. The an intolerance for boredom.
0: We cannot be bored. Right. My buddy Jim Quick talks a lot about the fact that although technology has made, you know, our lives so much easier, we have become so stupid because we don't know how to sit with our idle thoughts. We don't know how to exercise creativity. We don't know how to like do a lot of things that would spark new ideas. Right. Because we're so distracted. Well,
1: like, you think about all the books that we have behind mm-hmm. us right now. Mm-hmm. And they came from a place of boredom. I don't think people were like writing a book or, you know, whether it be philosophy or their life story in, in this, like, oh my God, I'm so excited right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And you think about the fact that we look for things to distract us, mm-hmm. we look for things to pull us away from the thing that we're supposed to be focused on life, like life, like, you know, whatever you're trying to do. And so I, I, I interact with so many people that tell me, They don't know what they want to do, Lex, in life. Mm -hmm. They have this anxiety. They have all these things. But at the same time, they have not given themselves any time to be bored enough to get that right idea. Yeah. For their mind to speak to them and say, hey, have you thought about this?
0: Yeah. I agree with you. That's exactly how the Cake Mamas was born. Right. I didn't have a job. I was kind of going crazy, thinking about all of our problems, how we're going to pay our bills. And then I was like, okay, line in the sand. Can't do anything about it. What can I do to find some joy right now? Right. Mm, I'm gonna put on the TV yeah. while I cook dinner and I'm gonna enjoy it because I'm blessed to be able to cook dinner.
1: But even it's a TV but, e- show. but even in that, well, yeah, a distraction. Find it, was distraction. In the,
0: it was in the background, right? So then I get like, oh, that's interesting. Cake making. That's cool. I'm saying I wouldn't have found that idea though if I wasn't open to right. right? So then I go, you know, I haven't had a hobby in a really long time. I'm going to go buy some stuff and I'm going to make some cakes. There you go. And I leaned into it because it was something I found enjoyment in. Fast forward 10, 11 years later during 2020, I was like, I want to be bored. Mm. I want to slow things down. I'm going to try something I've never done. I fell in love with like gardening and plants and succulents and and then someone asked me, oh my God, can I place an order? And I was like, nope. That would make it a business. This is a hobby, this is something I enjoy, I'm finding joy in. But I think that your creativity gets inspired when you have those moments to do things that you don't normally do.
1: Right, but like think about it like this, and I can't tell you that I have done it a lot.
0: Yeah, you need a hobby.
1: No, but think about this. When was the last time you just sat down somewhere without your phone, without a TV on, without a book, just with your thoughts.
0: I sit down a lot with my notebook and a no, pen and no, my thoughts.
1: So. No notebook, just your thoughts.
0: Well, I have really good thoughts. I would forget <laughs> them, so I write them down.
1: No, but, that, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, writing down, that's fine. That's not a, a huge distraction. But I, my challenge for the audience and for, like, for the pushers out there, like, when was the last time you just sat down somewhere With no distraction.
0: You mean like a meditation?
1: Like a meditation or in some cases a book, Okay. right? Because some people say, oh, I can't read. I I can only do audio books. I go, the reason why is because you're intolerant. You you need to be entertained. The person's Mm -hmm. voice is entertaining you right? instead of it being something where you have to sit with your own words in your mind as you're reading.
0: So we're prescribing boredom.
1: Yeah, I'm prescribing boredom. I'm saying go get bored. Because I think that that's- Like the read
0: big, a boring book?
1: It's some. Well, here's the thing. It's interesting that we when people talk about reading, they're like, oh, I want to read an exciting book. I'm right. like, okay, that's great. And it's going to entertain you. And I think that that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, it is the boring books that you read that you go, damn. Mm-hmm. That's some, there's quite a few up here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That you read and you go, oh my God, that is profound. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and so that to me, those are the things you have to be, if you increase your tolerance for boredom, I'm sure you're going to get a lot more things out of your time with yourself, also the time with reading certain books and stuff like that. So,
0: I mean, I get where you're going with it, but I do wish that more people would sit down and just kind of, you know, live in the what if. Like, a lot of times I'll start a page with what if. What is that? Like, how often do you give yourself time to think about what your perfect dream life is going to be or, you know, what would make you super happy or what if you won the lotto Mm -hmm. or what if, you know, something amazing happened? And I
1: think when you do, like, get intentional with those things, and like you say, I'm going to direct my mind on this thing, Mm -hmm. what if, and you stay there, not pick up your phone and look at Pinterest to say, I got to get some ideas for this what if but really just sit there and really let, cultivate that, I think you can get a lot out of it. I agree. And I think that when you think about being authentic and authenticity, I think it comes in that place of boredom where you find out this is who you really are.
0: Amen. Amen. Uh, there you go. So I hope you guys enjoyed this this episode of The Push Podcast. Again, we're always looking for new pushers to join the pusher society. If you want to have conversations like this with us once a week and be in a community of like-minded people, then definitely head over to Janelle Copeland.com. I don't know if you're pushing through in business, you can pick up my 18 success success tips for business. If you want a little daily motivation, Eddie Copeland's been doing daily pushes on Eddie his push, Instagram. Push through. <laughs> um, And that's about it. Thank you guys so much. Please, if this episode served you in any way, take 30 seconds to just leave us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. It helps us create better content for you. So continue to push through and we love you. Bye.
1: Bye. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast.